Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to episode 58 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week we have another very special guest. This week we have Greg Gorenlian of Team USA, Face Off Academy, the Professional Lacrosse League, however you want to refer him, but we have Greg Beast on this week's show. And also Michael and I, we talk about his travels from around the country this past week and where he's been, some of the players to watch that he saw, and then we just kind of talk about some of our notebook items from around the country now that we actually have games being played. So it's a very exciting week if you love lacrosse. Let's get into it. All right, I'm here with Greg Gorenlian from uh, Faceoff Academy, U.S. Lacrosse, and you know any a number of other accolades. Coach, appreciate you being on today. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, so we're ultimately obviously with you because we're going to talk about the Faceoff. But before we get there, um, I just kind of want to ask you a couple questions about like how did you kind of get started with lacrosse? Like, what drew you to this sport particularly? I actually never played until high school, um, and then. I, I basically did everything else. So I did karate and wrestling and basketball and all that stuff. And then when I got to high school at Springfield, the cool kids played lacrosse. So me and a couple of my best friends uh, decided that we were going to go for it. And um, uh, that's when I started. So my freshman year, uh, the, the summer before, I picked up a lacrosse for the first time and tried to get tried to get into it. So uh, <laughs> it wasn't easy. Yeah. What what. um I guess what made it challenging, because it sounded like you had a pretty athletic background to begin with. So what made it challenging to pick up that sport versus some of the other things you were doing? Yeah. So uh, I was saying this to uh, one of my friends yesterday. Um, the thing about lacrosse is you can't fake it. Uh, you can fake football. You can be athletic and you can be raw and you could get you could get uh, you could go to the NFL, you know, and then you just figure it out. Yeah. Um, basketball, you can just be a. 611 white guy and just hang out on the bench and make $250,000. You can barely shoot. Yeah. You cannot fake lacrosse skill. Uh, you have to have the stick in your hand. It has to become part of your body. And no matter how athletic you are, it might get you a foot in the door. Like I learned, mm -hmm. but you can't do anything until that stick becomes natural. Right. Yeah. So I got on the field early on by, the, by the face off. I was drawn to it. I was a wrestler and I gave it a shot. And my first game that I played in and I took faceoffs, I went four for four and I was like, okay, um, now I got to figure out how to cradle and catch and throw. Uh, but that's how I got into it. And that's how I kind of stuck. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned what, uh, that you were drawn to the faceoff. What drew you to that specifically? So the, the one-on-one -on -one nature of it was cool. Um, but I'll be completely transparent. The fact that the ball was on the ground already and I didn't have to catch it was – I just remember joking those, those that exact sentence to my friend be like, well, if it's already on the ground. I can do that. <laughs> um, and that's literally what drew me to it because I was like, man, there's a chance for me to get on the field. Uh, and that's what really kind of drew my eye. And then once I got used to it, I was like the reaction on the whistle, uh, the grinding nature of that, like the, the wrestling part of it, that was all very cool to me. Yeah. Yeah, I have to imagine with the wrestling background and uh, karate and stuff like that, very one-on-one, -on -one, you know, man-against-man kind of sports. So I can kind of see how those skills can translate, or at least the, the mindset uh, can translate to that as well. Um, so, you know, thinking about that, like, from where you got started to where you are now, like, how have you seen the face-off kind of evolve, um, either by, you know, the type of person that um, 
plays it or just by how it's used within the sport? Uh, you just mean like the, the different styles of lacrosse? Different yeah. Different styles of athlete? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's why lacrosse is so cool, right? Like if you're not super fast and super strong, there's really not a place for you on a football field. If you're not tall um, or insanely good at dribbling, there's no <laughs> space for you on a basketball court. When you look at lacrosse, there are guys who are five foot two who can be all Americans. There are guys who are huge that are a little bit. So you have like defenders can be, you know, defenders can be big or defenders can be short, but with really good positioning. Right. You, mm-hmm. you know, you got a, a Mike Earhart who can take over the world games, but also like a BJ Grill, who's a much shorter stature, but he's just very disciplined and he gets to the right spots and he puts his stick right on your hands. Um, so anybody of any size. And then you also have people. Um, you know, the Canadian style, maybe you're really, really good with one hand, yeah. right? You could do everything or a more of an American style where you can go both ways. I think the imagination of lacrosse is what's so cool. And I think that's why hockey players gravitate towards lacrosse because it's a very creative game. Yeah. Um, so regardless of what stature you are, um, big, strong, shorter, whatever, um, but you also have the creativity aspect of it, I, I think it makes it so unique. Yeah. Yeah. I remember speaking to the height thing. I remember talking with someone. It was years and years ago. I was watching uh, Matt Blondo. He was had just finished his senior season at St. Andrews down in Florida. And he's five two, little guy. You know, obviously spent a lot of time in the gym. I think it was he was wearing a shirt like Lax Sun Gym or something like that. Because obviously in Florida, he had a pretty good tan too. But yeah. And I asked him that same question. I was like, what drew you? And he was like, well, I'm five two. I can't play football. He's like, because everybody just looks at him and can't play yeah. either it's like they automatically you know you get judged and right you covered, off yeah I, I, yeah I covered football for many years there's that box that you kind of got to fit into if you're going to play a certain position he's like i'm too short for basketball he's like lacrosse perfect he's like because you get to pick he's like i can play attack he's like and i'm good at it and but it was able a sport he was able to fit in so that was kind of how and that that for me is one of the things i love about the sport too is like you don't have to you don't have to fit into a box i mean it helps to be big and fast, but you know, it's yeah. one of those like no you can one find a position. You goes, oh, you look like a lacrosse player. Yeah, right. Like that. Like you could be, you know, huge guys on campus. You're like, okay, that's either a football player or a basketball player, or you know, even hockey guys kind of have their look. Like lacrosse players come in all kinds of different shapes and different sizes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, as far as the the position itself, like um, you know, I remember it's probably two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I had just started covering lacrosse for ESPN. I remember standing; it was at a Jake Reed event in uh, North Carolina, and I remember just standing on the side. And of course, a parent approaches me at some point, and I'm looking at, and I'm, I mentioned some kid, and I don't remember the kid's name, and but he was a face-off guy. And they were like, oh, what do you think of him? And, of course, I automatically assume it's his, the kid's parent. Not that I would have said anything derogatory anyway, but I was like, oh, you know, he's like he's skillful. He's like obviously fast. He's good. And they're like, yeah, but he's just a FOGO. Like, mm-hmm. And it was like – but I, and I was still relatively new to covering the sport, but I could hear – you know, because I remember hearing yeah. it from – you know, I grew up playing baseball in North Carolina. And like, oh, he's just a reliever. Like there's that yeah. tone that you get. Is yeah. that something you ever experienced or is it – obviously you're familiar with it, but like what do you think whenever you hear people kind of comment like that? And has it changed at all in the last five or six years? Fogo is literally a four-letter word. And <laughs> and you know what? I've, I've, I hate being called a Fogo. Um, you know, I, played, I played offensive midfield and man up at Penn State until I graduated. I didn't become a quote-unquote – face-off specialist uh, until the MLL. Yeah. And what I hate about 
the the I think the uneducated about our position specifically um, look at faceoff guys as like the D backs of lacrosse, right? Every single D back, no matter what you do. Oh, that's you know he drops an interception. That's why he plays defense because right. he can't catch a throw. Or maybe the D back is the best D back, and you need him more than you needed him as a receiver in college, and that's why he ended up as an NFL D back. Right. Same thing with lacrosse. Guys end up being quote unquote fogos because they're the best face off guy on their team. Now that's not to say there's plenty of guys out there. There are plenty of guys out there who put themselves in that box. Yeah. They sit on a knee, they guess on the whistle. Back in the early 2000s and the 90s, they cheated, <laughs> and they just put themselves in that box where they didn't work on any other stuff. Yeah. But plenty of guys, I would say by far the majority, are like me, where we played full midfield, forward and backwards, never came off the field in high school, Yeah, barely came off the field in college. But at some point, your coach says to you, look, I need you to face off because you're our best face off guy. Right. So at Penn State, every year we tried to put me on a regular midfield rotation. And every year I said the same thing. Like, I'm either going to be an elite level face off guy and not many shifts on offense, or I'm going to have shifts on offense and be a subpar face off guy. Because the energy it takes to face off at that level against other guys yeah. uh, of that caliber takes everything out of you. Yeah. And the position has grown so high now where. You know, even when I was in college, there were plenty of guys out there who faced off, but you could tell they weren't specialized. Face-off mm-hmm. instruction wasn't a thing. Yeah. So now every week is an elite-level guy from somewhere, no matter where you are. Yeah. So do you think the percep- – you- well, I'm never going to say the attitude will have totally changed because, as we know, like there's always going to be pe- people out there that will keep that opinion no matter what. But do you think just that percept- – because, I mean, I look at the position and, you know, I remember talking to Justin Shockey when he was finishing his senior year at Landon and he was actually – I picked him as my player of the year because after talking with all the coaches, they're like, you don't get those opportunities without a guy like that. You know, Joey Epstein was putting the ball in the net that year, but if it wasn't for Justin, they would have had yeah. a lot – he would have had a lot less opportunities. And I looked at him yeah. like, man, to be able to play that position at such a high level and do it against some of the best competition, I'm like, that's work. So I guess I never understood the – perception that people thought me like oh you know because i always got the idea from those comments i was like oh they somehow think it's a lesser position yeah. or a lesser player but like oh you don't do everything but i'm like well you know tackman they're not playing defense no. like you know well, they're not back a, there you know playing <laughs> deep holes it's so. such a shockingly ignorant comment to make you know yeah like, i don't like the term fogo because when you when you say the word fogo you think like those like the chubby little cheating guys back in like the nineties, right? Yeah. Like I like I like face off specialist or face off athlete. Yeah. But there are so many holes in that argument, right? Like nobody ever says Tom Brady's not a great <laughs> football player. Right. Be- because my argument would be like, well, he's never caught a pass. Right. He doesn't hike the ball. He doesn't play defense. So how can you possibly say that? Yeah. For some reason, specialization in every single sport is okay. Yeah. Like, right, let us let, let me throw Quint Kesnick under the bus because I love doing that. <laughs> Quint talks about how Fogos are the worst lacrosse players on the field. Quint, uh-huh. I never saw you take an offensive run in college. All you did was stand in the goal and get hit. Yeah. So, but I don't put down goalies because I think they're psychopaths. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it takes somebody special to be a goalie. It takes a mindset. So, 
Yeah. So I don't know why there's a waste of time of downing something. And it's it's always the same. You don't understand it. Yeah. So rather than take the time to understand it, let's just bash it because it's hilarious. Yeah. To you. Um, yeah. I remember having a conversation with one of my friends. Um, her daughter just played in this uh, state, city championship game in here for basketball. And I remember we, were, we got to talk about Dennis Rodman and just how hmm. impressive it was like because he knew he knew his skill set and like he knew his position, especially when he got to the Bulls and like he is probably the greatest rebounder the NBA mm-hmm. will ever see. And it's like, cause he wasn't worried about all the other stuff. Like he focused on his craft and focused on yeah. that position. And it's like, and no one, but no, to your point, like no one ever says he wasn't a good basketball player. No, like it's just like, you're right. He was so dominant at the one that like, he just, he did the stuff no one else wanted to do. So, you know, yeah. for me, I, I, I definitely like, whenever I talk about him, like I always talk about face off specialists <laughs> rather than like people yeah. say Fogo. And I'm like, well, you know, as like, I look at it and like, but I have seen games where the kid takes the face off and, immediately runs off the field but then yeah. again you know there's other guys that i see like i watched gavin ty play at the under armor underclassmen games mm-hmm. last year and he'd get it and every time he won he'd almost just run down the field and put the ball in the net or yeah make a he's pass. not nicknamed hammer by accident for yeah sure. he, it was one of some just like you know now, like, All right. <laughs> i will say this though the limitation for a lot of us is the equipment so you know we just came out with that ecd head because the whole idea was to find a head where it would maintain its shape yeah and I always tell the guys the same thing. I'm like, look, you know, if guys like when I played for the Lizards, they would make fun of me, right? Like, look at this head, like, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, look, I should get a medal for the fact that I can shoot. I can pass the ball anywhere with a head that's completely torqued to the side, <laughs> right. caked in mud with the mesh stuck in the back, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, we were always limited by that. Every face-off guy right now understands the, the struggle of in practice – or even in like game day, you have line drills, you have one stick. Yeah. And then when you're facing off, you have your face off stick. Uh, and that's what we're trying to get rid of. We're trying to get rid of that limitation. Yeah. It, that's actually a good segue because I was going to ask you about, you know, obviously the new, the Weapon X. Um, how long, mm-hmm. I guess, have you guys been, because I have to imagine it's been a long time in the making. Like that's not something you just come up with the yeah. idea and next week you just be like, all right, we got we to gotta print, put it out. No. Like how long have you guys been working on this? So you got to remember, East Coast Dyes is a small operation. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't a giant conglomerate that prints out multiple sports. Like they are the lacrosse community. So what's been so impressive with them is is we have met so many times. It's been over a year where we have yeah. met. I would drive to Baltimore. We would go over all the possibilities of a head. We would go to the technicians and they would print out a 3D model. And we would test it. And yeah. we did that off and on. And then once we had the shape right, getting the right plastic took a good eight months. Yeah. Um, to make sure it was perfect. And then once we thought we were close, I would go and face off with a whole bunch of college guys and literally try to break it. Yeah. And then we'd come back to the drawing board and say, okay, these are the weaknesses. Where can we fix it? So it was a long time in the making. Yeah. I mean, so I'm getting, well, I won't guess. The term Weapon X, because I know when I was watching your video the other day, because it forms that X when you look at it from the side, like, yeah. was that just a byproduct of, you know, all that testing and everything? Or was that kind of part of like, oh, we want, we need a cool name? Because, I mean, it's, you're I'll not going to get a better name than that. <laughs> I I will admittedly say that I wasn't all in on that name. Yeah. Uh, that was all the East Coast Dyes geniuses. They said Weapon X, and I was like, I lo- look, I'm all for cheesy comic book cool stuff. <laughs> So me personally, Weapon X is cool. Yeah. My thought was dads are going to think that's a badass name. Kids are going to roll their eyes. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah. Every kid thought, like, when you said Weapon X, they're like, that's awesome. Yeah. So 
I was totally wrong. That's why I don't do the marketing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Weapon X was all ECD. That was all that. So yeah, I mean, wait till Mar- Marvel's got Wolverine now. So they'll probably come out with a badass Weapon X, you know, Weapon X yeah. storyline. It'll kind of yeah. be one more yeah. thing. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so, you know, what for your position, like since it came out, um, what has the reception been? I mean, obviously everybody likes the name, but what, what kind of reception have you seen online from people? Because it's not, is it, I think we're recording this on the 21st. It just went on sale today, right? Yeah, midnight. Yeah, midnight. last night. Okay. I'll, I I am blown away. I mean, I woke up this morning. My phone was bonkers. Yeah. Um, I texted uh, the guys at ECD today. I was like, I can't believe how many kids bought this thing at midnight. Yeah. Like, people waited up. Um, I've never seen that for a lacrosse equipment at anywhere. Yeah. Um, there's multiple lacrosse unlimiteds and universal lacrosses that have reported they're sold out. Wow. Um, it's unbelievable. I'm really excited. Uh, the the fact so the reason it's kind of touching for me is look, I'm old man. I'm turning <laughs> 35 on Saturday, and you know the fact that I'm even a, a person kids listen to at all because um, I know how fast sports move yeah. uh, is very touching to me. The fact that I like. I know all my Westchester guys have seen the head. I've been using it. So many college guys, um, you know, have, have reached out about trying it. I'm just really pumped that people respect me enough to fit to say, wow, Greg's doing this. I want to give it a shot at least. So I, yeah. I'm really happy about that part. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be even that much more thrilling. The first time you see a kid facing off with that, <laughs> that's gotta be a, another up my draw day last night. No lie. A 2021 came to my draw day last night who always, who comes a lot. He asked if he could use the the head. I had one. I gave it to him. He won my draw day. He beat some of the top seniors in the country. Won my draw day last night. And I was like, dude, just keep it. Like, <laughs> uh, and then I texted Jerry and I go, you'll never get like kid used my head and won. He goes, same thing happened in Jersey last night. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's just let this ride, man. Let's just see how it goes. Yeah. I, I just love the fact that I can go to the high school across the street, help out there at Mamaroneck and rip shots on the goalies full speed like I used to in college. Yeah. And then I can face off with a head and I've never had that before. So, yeah, that's great. That, that's great. Um, you know, so I do want to ask, cause you mentioned some of the, the young guys, um, you know, what, what do you think it makes it? We get, is that Jack? Sorry. Jack's is uh, making a guess of pairs. All right. Go yeah, ahead. That's fine. Uh, I love, I love your Instagram post, whatever you got or move. It's hilarious. I saw the wrestling one today. Cracked me up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what do you think it is to takes a, to makes a face off man special? Like, is there a particular aspect that um, you kind of see in most athletes? Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's certain skill sets that are involved, right? There's the natural hand speed. There's the, there's a nervous system reaction that mm-hmm. you don't, that people have to naturally have. No. Um, so, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> um, there's a, so people have to have a nervous system reaction. That has to be like natural, right? And I tell guys all the time, the, the, the biggest questions I get are, how do I improve my hand speed? Mm-hmm. And they also ask, how do I get my reaction better? And I always tell them the same thing. Your reaction's good because if it wasn't, you couldn't play this position. Mm -hmm. You would have gotten pumped over eight and you would have been like, nope, I'm out. I'm bad at this. So you have to have a natural knack for it to start. And I always tell people, it's like sprinting. You can take anybody and make them faster, but you can't make a slow person fast, right? Like your nervous system is your nervous system. You can always improve upon it, but you can't just change it. 
Right. So that's the first thing. Find out. That's why I always tell coaches, if you have high school tryouts, you have a club tryouts, you know, sixth, seventh grade, let every kid who wants to try, try facing off. Yeah. Because you'll never know who's good, right? Nobody ever would have guessed that I would have been good when I was in high school. So let them try. And then once they have that natural nervous system reaction, the two things, that's, that's the one thing you can't teach, right? You can't teach a kid to be fast. So if they have that, you can work on it. Yeah. The thing that, the other thing that is the intangible that I'm always looking for, and I always sell to college coaches when it comes time to recruiting, mm-hmm. is the coachability. There are so many kids, 99% of kids out there that want to be good enough, right? Even guys who are multiple-time All-Americans in high school, they get to a point where it goes from, Yes, coach. Thank you, coach. To okay, to I'm not even listening to you anymore. Yeah. Then they get pumped one day on ESPN. Then they want to listen a little bit. Yeah. It's too late by then. Yeah. I'm always looking for the special kids that always want to continue to get better. So when people ask me about Trevor Baptiste, TD, Alex Woodall, those three guys, watch them their freshman year of college or even in high school. Yeah. Watch them now and look at how much they've improved. Alex Woodall is a shocking case. If you look at his film at High Point, his freshman year, and you look at him now, you would swear it's not the same person. Stance, technique, footwork, everything is so different. And I always say, once in a while, a very special person comes along who has a natural knack for something, Mm -hmm. and they find it, right? So somebody who was almost born to do this position finds it. And then on top of that, they never want to stop evolving. That's when you find somebody like a Trevor or a TD or an Alex Whittle. Yeah. How hard you mentioned it? It do, he doesn't look like the same player. How hard is it for a player like that to change the way they um, go about the faceoff? Like I, I think back to I was an Orioles fan, M Orioles fan, um, and I'm thinking about Cal Ripken. He would he would change his stance from literally at bat to at bat when he was in a mm-hmm. slump kind of thing. So and I was like and I played baseball and I knew how hard it was to try and like. Because so much is timing, like you're, right, stuff's yeah. coming. You got it's all it's it's based on you know it's like a domino effect. How much of a challenge is that for a faceoff guy to change the way they kind of go about it? It's so the cool thing about faceoffs is unlike most positions, right? Even baseball, if you're a batter, even though you're technically using the same mechanics, mm-hmm. the ball's coming at you from different angles. Right. There's different rotation spins on the ball, all that stuff. Yeah. You're trying to hit it to different parts of the field, et cetera. When you face off, it's one of the very few spots in any sport where it's always the same every single time. The ball is the same spot. Your body's in the same spot. You don't need your eyes open to clamp a a lacrosse ball. Now you need hand eye coordination after the ball comes out. But other than that, everything's consistent. So the cool thing for me as a coach is because I was a strength coach first, and we always used to break down the biomechanics, use slow motion film study. That's what I do with my guys now. So when I tell them, I'm saying, look, I know that you're doing it this way, and I know you're beating other seventh graders right now, but if I can guarantee you biomechanically that this is the better way to do it, mm-hmm. if you can listen now, I swear you will you will be able to reach your potential. It was easy it was hard at first because with the FOA, if you watch game film, I was talking about this with um, Angelo Petrakis, who's a senior this year at Massapequa. All, he's going to be an All-American. He, uh, he's going to Cornell next year. 
we were talking about how much the face-off has changed. And I told him, I said, I dare you, try to find film before 2012 when the FOA started. Watch the NCAA tournament. Watch all those games. Every team had a different face-off stance. It was all over the place. Yeah. Total wild, wild west. Half the guys were cheating. It was a mess. <laughs> you look at it today, at least 99% of the guys that you watch on TV at least have their right knee pointing towards the ball and their right toe locked. Yeah. Right? It's consistency because we created this system based on biomechanics. So when we first started, people thought we were nuts, right? Don't cheat. <laughs> Get out of here. Who are these guys? And then we started telling them, go sideways into the ball instead of facing up north. That was mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Now everyone's got it, but it took a while to get people on board. Then when you saw the proof was in the pudding, now we're at a point where now too many quote-unquote FOGO coaches are out there. So now there's too much information. So you'll find a kid, and I always say this, if a parent comes, you're like, hey, you know, this is Billy. He's never faced off before. I'm like, that's awesome because I'd much rather get a kid who's never done this before than to have to deal with retroactive interference <laughs> and a kid who's been training for 10 years the wrong way Yeah, because he's not going to want to change right away. It's going to be, it's going to feel awkward and no high school kid wants to feel awkward at a thing that he's already decent at. Right. You know what I mean, yeah. Um, bad habits are hard to break for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Um, you kind of mentioned uh, a couple kids, you know, I kind of want to wrap up because obviously I run a high school site and I, but, and you've seen a lot of kids, who are some of the, and I know there's going to be too many, you don't want to single, like leave anybody out, but you know, if you had to pick like five kids that, you know, you think you mentioned one out of Massapequa, like who are like five or so kids that you think are coming up that have the potential to be the the special. I'm not going to say another Trevor Baptiste, cause I'm sure those guys don't come around very often, yeah, but you know, nor should they try to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I can tell you out of the 2019s, uh, Gavin Ty, as you know, um, Tyler Sandoval, who's going to Princeton. Connor Calderon is going to Maryland. Um, Eric Pacheco is going to Loyola next year. Um, Angelo Petrakis is going to Cornell. Uh, 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 Matt Gunty down in the DMV area. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to Brown. Um, Tegan Boltman. Actually, Tegan, I think Tegan's a 2020. Um, but, yeah, and then the the younger Ginder, Kobe Ginder, he's a 2020. Um, uh, Ball is going to Yale. He's a 2020. So, I mean, but the, out of that 2019 group, you know, those are some of the top names off the top of my head Yeah. Um, that, you know, that I would, that I would say are going to be immediate impact guys at the schools they go to. Yeah. And when you, when you look at that, like when, uh, do you, cause you mentioned Woodall and where he, where he started, where he came from, like, there's there any guys you think out there like, oh, they haven't hit their stride. Mm. heading into their senior year like or you know maybe they're in their senior but like, you've seen them progress so much because i look at gavin i'm like you know i looked at because he played as an eighth grader at penn charter and yes he has consistently improved every single year i mean he had a phenomenal year for penn charter and I'm, I'm looking at the teams he plays and i'm like that makes it even more impressive so like i look at him i'm like has he even reached his potential or is he just getting better are there any other kids you're like oh you know this kid's still maybe getting better and he's maybe only a senior may not be a household name now but watch out <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a lot of those kids, uh, you know, and I those are the kids that come down to coachability that where it's 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 kind of like like Christian Lacosta is going to um, St. John's Fisher. Mm-hmm. If, if that was if he had another two years under his belt of playing the sport and this position, I've seen him pump D1 guys. So I know for a fact there's a there's a perfect example of a kid who if he had a couple more years. Uh, you know, there's a kid, Jack Fine, who won our 2020 division uh, at the National Showcase this year out of uh, Rosslyn. He's only been playing a couple of years. 
he's going to go to uh, Avon and he's going to do an extra year. So mm-hmm. he's going to be a 2021. That's going to open up the whole world to him. He'll be able to play anywhere. Yeah. Um, so there are certain kids when you're a freshman or sophomore and you're raw that get an extra year to kind of, you know, go to the belt. I think the kids who benefit the most are the kids on the West coast or the South who then end up coming up. Uh, they, if they go to an East coast college, maybe they're within distance of us and we can work with them more often than we used to. Yeah. Um, so those are going to be some of the kids to look out for, for sure. There's okay. a kid um, who's at Ohio State right now as a freshman, Anthony Mayo, um, who's playing behind Justin Inacio and uh, uh, Christian Feliziani. Um, he's a he's a Cleveland area kid. Um, I think he's going to continue to progress. I think he'll be a name you know in the next couple of years in the yeah. Big Ten. And what was his name again? Just so everybody. Anthony. Uh, you sound literally cut out. <laughs> Sorry, Anthony Ameo. Ameo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wanted to make sure we got his name. I was like, oh, what are the odds of the sound cutting out twice? <laughs> yeah. All right, Coach. Well, again, I cannot thank you enough. If anybody doesn't know, the Weapon X is also out today, so you can go out and buy it today. Um, and tell everybody where they can find you online and everywhere else as well. Sure. Yeah. If you go to uh, youtube.com slash Greg Garemlian, uh, that's my YouTube channel. I have a thing called the Beast Lab. I post videos every week. Uh, just free informational stuff and equipment reviews for coaches and, and players. Uh, and then at Greg Beast 32 on both Instagram and Twitter. And then if you're ever interested in having the Face Off Academy come to your town and want to host us uh, for training, uh, it's the faceoffacademy.com. Okay. And of course, uh, when the uh, PLL comes to your town, you can see you yep. live Go and in red. person. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All, right. All right, Coach. Thank you very much, and you have a great evening. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, Michael. So we're, we're back again with the uh, another episode, and you've been quite a busy guy over the last week <laughs> with uh, with some trips going on, right? Yeah, uh, I think um, I think I'm busy now. I think it's going to get worse as the season goes on, but this is what I've, I've signed up for. Uh, I started the week in Kentucky and ended the week in in Ohio. And I can tell you what happened from the beginning to end. Um, the first, I went to go see Culver, um, prep again, play, uh, St. Xavier in Kentucky, Uh who I think is, uh, you know, I know they're not in the Midwest, so I I know they're not in my purview, so to speak. Um, but I think they are going to be a strong, strong team. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, like I've seen with, with prep, they they're just they're just too good. I mean yeah. they're too they're too good for a team that's a normal high school team. Right. And I mean they're probably too good for even some teams that wouldn't be considered a normal team. Right. I mean they they we've we've cut we I mean anybody who listened to it, I think about probably two weeks ago know like we've kind of covered Culver and realized like right. they they play on a uh, a different level than most of the teams that we will normally talk about. And we realize that and you know but you know they're conveniently located for you so yes. it's very easy to go see them and it, they're one of those programs that because of their stature a lot of the other top teams play them so it's kind right. of the convenient like it's makes it easy for you it's to a see measuring some of those stick. other teams yeah it, it makes it a measuring stick when i could compare that so i you know i can compare saint x how they did uh then i also saw them play carmel later in the week um hsc earlier McCalley. So, I mean, again, it's not an apples to apples thing uh, because they might be on a little more. They might be playing a little different, but it's just good to see how the other teams react. Um, So, like I said, St. X, um, I think is going to be a strong team. They have some really great players and it just, 
and my player of the game was Alex Stathicus, mm-hmm. uh, the face-off. Yeah. And he's, he's going a big to guy. Denver. <laughs> he's a yeah, big guy. He's, he, is, he is a beast. I think he's weighing in at about 245, and I don't think there's any fat on him. Yeah. Uh, he's solid. He's a solid. But the, the scary thing about him is the quickness. Yeah. So that's what, when you say a D1 athlete, you go, they're big and they're fast and they're quick. Yeah. That's it. I mean, his moves are so smooth that it's make it, take it. And, and once they start getting on you, it's you. It's like you panic. You can't. You can't get him. So I mean, this guy just wins, wins. As I said, I, I go. You know, if you beat him, keep the ball. That's like that's a keepsake. Right. Because you'll be you'll be hearing about him. He might become. You know, he might go up there as one of the top faceoff guys if he continues on this trajectory. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what your future guest says about that because I I think he's worked with him at one point. I know he's worked with the backup. Uh, face-off person, Little Alec. Yeah. So they go Big Alec and Little Alec. I know Little Alec, who is the backup, who has worked with uh, uh, the Beast, uh, knows about him. So I'd, you know, I'd see I'd, that'd be interesting later when when you get to talk to him about that. So that was the uh, the first game. And again, you know, I, I'm not going to bash a team for getting beat up by this team. I, right. I'm looking forward to seeing. We should know the results by the time this airs of how they do out east, right? Because I think they're going there this weekend, yes. um, this upcoming week mm-hmm. delayed. Um, so that'll be interesting. I, personally, if they lose a game out there, I'll be really shocked. And I know they're playing tough, tough teams, right? I'll be shocked if they lose. That's how good they look in every every spot. So. I mean- they have they have been dominant in the wins they've had thus far, um, but I will say like the teams they're playing out east are a uh, sure. a different they're a different makeup. I I, I don't want any I, I don't want to say like different caliber of team, but they have different. They, I think they're probably deeper teams. Like, it's they can, they it's, can run it's... more guys, more quality guys out there for longer. So their starting line probably doesn't get tired chasing these guys down. But that being said, Cobra Academy can run a number of lines out there as well. So I think they're probably more evenly matched in that, in that respect. I mean, again, as we've talked, they have 19 D one players on their team. It's ridiculous. So they're, they all can't play, but like you can't shut anyone off. So I don't bash anyone playing them. Like I said, these are learning experiences for them. It will be interesting. I'm looking forward to that this weekend. Uh, for Culver, so yeah. we'll talk about that later. And I mean, that's why that's a they're a good team to see these other teams play because then when they go back east, you you kind of start to get an idea. It's like, all right, you know, if that's... I mean, if they go out and beat a boys Latin twenty six to one, then that's a well, that would be a uh, holy crap moment to begin with for many reasons. Otherwise, but you know, you can kind of start to see where I'm like, all right, you know, how would a boys Latin maybe stack up against a a Carmel or a Saint Xavier? Like, you kind of start to look at scores and see. And I know it's not always exact, but you know, I mean. Right. This also isn't professional or college sports where these teams that, will eventually play it out. So that's that's what you got to do, like when you're trying to rationalize this stuff as well. Right. I mean, it's it's just they 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 just they, you can't make for a team from the Midwest who doesn't have the depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a knock. It's just the truth. You can't make a mistake. Yeah. Because you're never getting the ball back if you make a mistake, right. and that's what happens. And yeah. then they get on you. And then it's like a snowball effect. So, anyway, that was a great game. It was fun to watch. Uh, I can't wait to watch St. X uh, of Kentucky more. I know they play some teams. They play a bunch of teams in Ohio, uh, 
Indiana and Michigan. So yeah. that's a nice little team that comes up and 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 is gonna and is gonna put a hurting on some teams. I got to feel. I think people might overlook them. Yeah. Maybe thinking, oh, Kentucky's not that good. Well, they're gonna see this team. They have a stud goalie. They have a stud attackman. Yeah. They have a stud midi, and and they are fun to watch. So I can't yeah. wait to see them. Um, the next game I went to was just a was a local game here, yeah. uh, Westfield versus North Central. North Central's a, a brand new team. Uh, well, they're not brand new, but they're they're not a they're not the best team. You know, they're they still don't have the talent. Still getting I, their still kind of working through the program, and I just yeah. don't think it's that kind of school where you know it's a public school that right. it has the interest in it. I know they've been playing for a while. They had some nice players, but they played against Westfield who has three really quick, really good attackmen. And again, once you get down, it's hard. If you don't have the horses to get into it, it's, it's, it just keeps coming. Now Westfield poured it on a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's why my player was his, uh, Jack Green. There was a couple other players who scored, I think, or one other player who scored like eight or nine goals. Um, and it was just face-off pass shoot. And I'm like, nah, you know, I, if you're winning by that much, every goal should have an assist, <laughs> in, in my feeling. Like, every goal should have, it shouldn't be an right. unassisted goal when you're when you're thumping somebody. Yes. It should be move the ball, move the ball, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack Green, the my the person who I made as my player of the game, he moved the ball around. He's also very talented. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see this team play some of the bigger boys in Indiana. Yeah, um, because I can't get a read on them right now. I mean, they look like world beaters, but I don't know because I, the talent they've gone up against isn't top level talent. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, we're still early in the season too, so that's one right. of those like you know right. we're you. Know, Every now and then, like, I mean, I don't think it's quite you – know, teams are scheduling cupcakes early in the season. It's not like Alabama's playing, you know, Division three school kind of kind of uh, getting an early game in under your belt. But, you know, these out-of-conference games, they're – you know, generally when you get into the conference, that's when you really start to kind of get in the meet your schedule and you face those t- – you, you face the rivalries, you face a tougher competition because it's teams that know you, they play you year in, year out, like – I mean, I I don't know what the the rivalry between these two programs is like, but it could just as easily be one of those results like, hey, this may be one of the first times they've met, or early on, or maybe it's just you know, kind of the like they, they is, meet every year, but they you know, it's just kind of maybe it's just they're not even they're not even, right? But the stat that they said at that game, uh, it was like the halftime announcement, and they said these were the first two teams, first two public schools in Indiana to play the game like they played each other was those first two teams so they've been so north central's been around right i just don't think it's a lacrosse program right um and it's a fledgling it's so when i say fledgling i don't mean it's new i just mean it's it's not as been as important as other schools have been right and i mean Um, (laughs) probably nobody in indiana i mean when I think Indiana, I think basketball. So it's probably not right. a shock that lacrosse right. may not be the first thing to come to people's mind whenever uh, they're talking about like what sport is going to get the more, most support out of the school. Like, right. That's, so. that's exactly it. So there is a, there is a, there is a top two, three, four of following five, six, seven, eight, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then it really sort of drops off. Um, I have, uh, I was just speaking with somebody who's involved in 
in Indiana lacrosse. And I said, this might be the case of making a, a, a two division, um, you know, like Illinois did at one point. Right. Um, division one, division two. Yeah. So you wouldn't even play those teams because it could really demoralize somebody um, just getting beat on. And then that doesn't help grow the game. And again, I'm all about growing the game. Yeah. And then when you win division two, if you become that championship, if you become that championship, you you have the opportunity to move up to division one. Yeah. So I think that would be a model to work on for, for this type of, of thing. But you know what? It was down the street. Uh, I love to go out and watch high school. So I went there. So that was a nice game. The next game was the game I was very interested in seeing. And that was Carmel, Indiana, which mm-hmm. is where I live right now, uh, against Zionsville. Carmel is perennially a powerhouse. It's a very large public school. Uh, they win in everything. <laughs> Last and, year they didn't. I mean, they do. They, it's crazy, and 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 I get a very big kick out of it that nobody else in Indiana likes them. So, yeah. and I, sort of, you know, it's funny. I'll have to throw my anecdote because me and my wife were actually in Carmel, as you know, in right. Carmel this past weekend. We were there for uh, a race for both runners, and we just made the comment like she asked me when we were walking down their their main street, and everybody every store had you know I think some of them like hashtag we'll be back, but they were obviously celebrating the local high school team in some fashion. I mean, it was literally one of those things like you, like most people probably familiar with the movie Friday night lights, whenever, you know, all the windows and all the stores were decorated. It was exactly like that. People had banners and balloons and the uh, windows were written on and stuff like that. And like, uh, I think I was talking to you. I think you said the men's basketball team went to, was in the championship game and women's had, championships this weekend. And the women uh, had gone about the semifinals. So yeah. They, and they lost to the big rival HSC, so which they were obviously HSC loved. Yeah. Everybody in the town was obviously very proud and you could tell right. very, very well supportive of, of the athletic program there. Yeah. So, I mean, funny enough, so the, the basketball team is in the state championship for the second year in a row, mm-hmm. and the tickets went on sale at their school today, and kids were lined up at 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. That's a little Yeah, you're crazy. talking like that kind of support. <laughs> right. So, to see them, the, the lacrosse team, not make it to the finals last year, I mean, I think you said, I don't remember what the actual year, how many years it has been, that it's either been a culver. uh a Carmel or a cathedral yeah. in the championship and neither of them were in it. Yeah. And Carmel lost, uh, some very good players last year. So I didn't know what to expect. And they were playing Zionsville, which is Zionsville. I have as a top five team. It's a neighbor suburb. It's a nice rivalry. The former coach or the coach of Zionsville was the former assistant coach at Carmel under Tom Coons. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking there might have been a little bit of uh, bad blood. So I'm like, this is going to be a it's going to be a very good test, right? You know, I knew I knew Zionsville. I knew they would be coached very well. I knew they'd be very disciplined and very tough, yeah. Because that's what Tom Coons was, and I know his coach, Coach Rundle, would follow in the same model. Yeah. Um. So I was very shocked to see Carmel come out and 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 really put it on them in their first game. Yeah. Um. They looked better that they did last year, uh, more balanced, which, you know, when you lose a all American, right. You, you, you never want to say, Oh, we lost an all American. We got better, but you know, the ball might've gone through the all American more. Right. Um, you, you tend and, to run your offense around maybe your best player and maybe some, you know, it, it's a case of other players now get their time to step up as right. well. Now that they're, yes. you know, so now there was a player who I, my player of the game was Tommy Spraits. Uh, he is a big, physical athlete. Um, I've seen him play for since his sophomore year. 
And every time I'd see him play, I, he was the one I was trying to. He's big, he's fast, he's strong. And everyone in the everyone in the state knows it, mm-hmm. except I think people giving him recognition. Like he did not make an all state team last year, and I think he's probably the best player in the state. Okay, um, he has an absolute cannon for a left, um, but everyone knows he has a cannon for his left. So everyone was playing his left. <laughs> right. So the reason he got my player of the game was he went righty and scored. Yeah. And actually on his first goal, he scored righty. He ran back to the sideline and held up his right hand, was pointing at it. So that, yeah. I mean, there was some great players out there. Uh, Marcus Prine at attack, who was so quick. And so they are really, they're really loaded. I mean, they are yeah. really loaded. So I can't wait to see. Then I wanted to see them play Culver and it didn't work out well a couple of days later. Right. Um, so that was, so that was the, uh, so the day after that, I went and saw an interstate game. Yeah. Uh, St. Rita of Chicago. It's a Catholic Southside school um, who you wouldn't ever say would be on the radar in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Now, they're good in all sports. They're good in football. They weren't great in hockey, and all of a sudden now they're one of the top hockey teams. So you knew eventually lacrosse would catch up. Right. Well, it caught up. Uh, so St. Rita came to HSE. So Chicago came to Indy to take on the, the defending state champions. Uh, and they won. Now, uh, it was a great, first of all, it was super windy that day. If you remember, it, yeah. I, I don't know if it, I mean, it was like 25, 30 mile an hour winds. And yeah. It was cold. So the conditions, so, you know, a pass, you'd see the ball move. Yeah. You got to adjust for feet. the wind. Right. <laughs> um, but the, I want to say, I thought, HSE sort of controlled the ball more, uh, moved the ball around more. Um, and St. Rita's goalie, uh, Eric Sio, who mm-hmm. was my player of the game, was the difference. Yeah. Was the difference in the game. Now, St. Rita has some strong players. I mean, they have some strong, strong players. Like, I talked to the coach afterwards, and I said, who's this player and who's this player? And he's like, oh, he's like, you'll hear about him next year for lacrosse if he doesn't end up playing football in the Big Ten. And I'm like, ah, you know, yeah, there the, you go. The, and they have another, uh, another player, um, Jack Dolan, who's going to Jacksonville. Uh-huh. So they have talent yeah. now. They, they, they tied the game up on a last second shot. So it was HSE's. There was two seconds left shot goal stunned. Um, and then they won it in overtime. So, right. but it was great to see, it was great to see a team from Chicago a city school, uh, Catholic league school come to Indiana and, and knock off a state champ. They then yeah. had to go back to Illinois two days later yeah, and play the Illinois state champ Loyola Academy. Yeah. And they lost nine to six. They started the game winning three, nothing, which that was a biggest, bigger news as I heard on the fault that Saturday was, uh, was that the start of that game? So, that's a team I'm going to be watching a lot is St. Rita. Yeah, obviously. Um, they're going to make some noise. To face that quality competition in their first couple of games of the year and to play well in both. I mean, two very right. close losses. Like, And they lost to Trinity by one. Yeah. At Trinity. I mean, that's that, that's good. That's a team going for it. I yeah. love their coach. He's a great guy. Uh, the passion, the, it, that's the kind of thing that, you know, you, you see in sports. Like, if I always judge a coach like would I have my kid coach that. Right. Would, would, would I be happy if he was coaching my son? Yeah. Is he a leader of men? And he's a leader of men. Um, so, you know, all power to him. I'm happy for St. Rita. You know, they were a rivalry for me growing up, but <laughs> that's 
I'm I'm all about that right. kind of thing. So, but again, Hamilton Southeastern HSE, they're not going anywhere either. I right. mean, they're they have. I don't want to say it was a fluke, but it was one of those games where you said somebody had to lose. You didn't want anyone to lose, but that's what it was. Right. I just think that'll make HSC a better team. I think it's going to make St. Rita a better team. Yeah. Which makes it better for everybody. Yeah. Um, now, I know you have your next game is the Culver Carmel game, but yeah. I, I think we've we've probably talked about those two teams enough. If anybody wants to read it, they can go to the laxrecords.com and they can see the Ward report and they can kind of get the recap of that. But like, I think for me and what most people, most other people might find interesting is you ended up going to Ohio as as well. So talk a little bit about that Ohio trip. Right. So the Ohio machine had a high school showcase, which I want to applaud the Ohio machine. Uh, that's what, a, that's exactly what it's all. They're trying to raise uh, the level of high school lacrosse in, in Ohio. And I look at that as Ohio is probably the leader uh, as far as depth, uh, talent, in the Midwest, right. they have probably the most, the quantity of teams and strength of those teams is 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 the most. Now, I'm sure Michigan people are going to get I, upset I, about. I was going to say the uh, it's at MFW Chai for right. all those in Michigan. <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, I'm sure some people in Illinois, but there for I mean, you have teams in Cleveland, teams in Columbus, teams in Cincinnati. I mean, there's three cities that, right. and they all have their areas. So it's just the depth. But the Ohio machine had this two-day event where they had six boys' high school games, two girls' high school games, at Fortress Obets, which I think is the, a cool name. It's yeah. the Machines Home Stadium. I believe it's the first lacrosse-only stadium that was made for professional lacrosse. Okay. Um, and it's really it's made out of shipping containers. Like the whole oh. fortress, it looks like a fortress, and it's all black shipping containers. The offices are there. Yeah, um, it's a cool place. It was an old racetrack that they built it. It is a very nice facility. Um, so I got to see. I, I couldn't go the first day, but the first day there were some great games. Um, Dublin Kaufman played the first day. Saint, Saint Xavier played the first day. Uh, Archbishop Bowler played the first day. I mean, these are all the when you put the top teams in in. Ohio, right? I'm rattling them off right now. I mean, yeah. these are the ones, and to get that early season to get them all in one place to do yeah. that, I, like I said, I can't, I can't applaud them more. It was wonderful. I'm, I'm so happy it happened. Day two on St. Patrick's Day, I went there, and the first game I saw was, I want, was it? I'm getting them confused now. Mason um, Dublin Jerome. Mason Dublin Jerome. Now. I did not have Mason in my top five for um, Ohio. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's hard to be in the top five. Of, yeah. Of I Ohio. mean, that's, it's, it's, yeah. it's hard for to be, to be in division one and to be top five. It's it, you, it's hard. I yeah. mean, unless you're a great team now, uh, I've talked to many coaches there, many travel team coaches, many parents, but, and, and, and I even said it before. I picked five teams that I say are in the top five in Ohio. I wouldn't be shocked if a team that's not in the top five wins the whole thing. Yeah. Mason could be one of those teams. Uh, they're tough. They are tough. Dublin Jerome, also not in my top five. Every person I talked to about Dublin Jerome, they said they're one year away. Yeah. They're very young. Now, Dublin Jerome, I thought, dominated the game. 
They had the ball. They they moved the ball. They just couldn't get through Mason's D yeah. and their goalie. They couldn't. It, 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 I was in the press box and the other people in the press box with me, and we were all saying the same thing. Like, this is just uh, a strong D. They just can't. And then Mason would come down, and and, and it was almost in transition yeah, uh, or unsettled situations that they scored. Um, my player of the game, though, now I heard about this player. A coach had reached out to me the day before and a said, watch out for Mason. I've coached eight of the kids on that team. Yeah. They are tough. Uh, I don't know if anyone will overlook them. He's like, but they, he actually said, he's like, they're going to win. Now polling the people that I did beforehand, I'd say it was an 80% Dublin Jerome was going to win. Yeah. He came out and said, Mason's going to win. Uh, kids are tough. The kid he told me to watch out for was Brendan Malloy. Um, who faces off, uh, plays midi, and he said he's the toughest kid I've ever had. He's got a little bit of a mean streak in him, and he's a great player. Um, and he just had his spleen removed six weeks ago. It's ridiculous. I mean, as I said, what kind of commitment and 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 and, and loyalty to teammates and and competitive spirit? to have your spleen removed. Now, I believe for years and years and years before that, he's had medical issues because of the spleen. Right. Uh, because um, I, I think he was on a U19 or a U15 national team. Um, he, like, he had accolades. He, he's yeah. not an un-entity. But everything sidetracked him because of his health. Yeah. So removing the spleen hopefully is will alleviate those health issues. But to see how someone wants to get back in a game and and play, yeah, uh, it's it's mind boggling to me, and it's that's the spirit. That's I have no I have no doubt that this kid is going to be successful when in whatever he does because it's the drive, right? That's that, the drive. That kind of attitude will carry you a long way outside of sport, and that's what I like sports about. So that that's the that's the whole bottom line for me is that so. Brendan Malloy. I'm also going to be reaching out to him later this week. Uh, I'm going to write a little story about him um, because it's just too good of a story. Yeah, it, and I mean it's it's too good, and I want to find out what his feelings are and and see you know how he's feeling. Right, like how did he feel after that game? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they utilized him like they will in the future. Right, so maybe they let him in a little, um, but he is going to be someone to watch. I mean, I. I just love that a coach reached out to me the day before and told me about it. So it was like yeah. one of those, because I shared it in the press box and everyone looked at me like, what? Yeah. Six weeks ago? And I said, yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, and so they were all like, you know, I don't want to say they were, they were cheering for him. Like right. he had, Yeah. You, he can't, had a, you can't not. Like there's, there's an unwritten rule. If you're a reporter in the press box, you generally don't cheer. But every now and then, like something just happens, like you can't help but, you know. I said, I like, said right, I, you can't help but be a fan in some occasions. Right, I said I had to make him my player of the game, but he also earned the player of the game. I mean, he was, I mean, uh, amongst other players, but he's he won big face off, scored a goal, did some nice riding. I mean, he he played good. I was yeah. very very happy. Um, again, that's one to watch. Both of those teams, Mason and Dublin Jerome, gonna be teams to watch. Yeah. I mean, again, throw out everybody in the top ten in both divisions, maybe maybe Division two. Top six, yeah. Division one, 
there are 10 teams that could go at it. I mean, so I will be spending a lot of time in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) I know that because those are the ones, if I'm going to go with a regional ranking, I've got to know which ones, you know. Yeah. You can't get those ones wrong. Right. I I could pick out two in Indiana, usually two or three in Illinois. Michigan's a little harder. Right. Ohio's the one. Yeah. Because someone can beat somebody every day. So it's a deep you're going to have to watch. It's yeah. very deep. The next game I watched um, was the the Division Two champion from last year, St. Francis de Sales at Columbus, uh-huh. who is a team that's loaded with talent. Um, I, I believe the division aspect in uh, Ohio, so people can understand it, it's not like a level. I think it's a size. The school is uh, under... 1200 or 13 i i don't yeah. have the numbers with me right now unlike uh, te- we oh i guess we found out a few weeks ago texas does there's a little bit differently but i guess from what i'm used to in maryland like it's usually by size of school yeah like so it's the, based on enrollment so right. how many however many students are in the school it'll it put you like you know level one two or three or a b or c or like however each state does division one two um each state's a little bit different but i think a great majority of the states do do something based on enrollment to as your point earlier in indiana Try and make it a little bit more fair. That way, a school that has 300 students enrolled is not going up against right. a student uh, school uh, school that has like 5,500 because you just you pull from a much larger pool of talent, and therefore, like you can find 12 guys that can play. Whereas if you have a school of 300, you might not right. be able to find. <laughs> right. Well, let's just say St. Francis of Sales could hold their own against any team in that state. Yeah, they 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 got a good track record. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I think Chagrin Falls is a pretty darn good team, too. And they have a little bit of a rivalry. Um, my phone sort of got a lot of text messages beforehand, you know, because I was tweeting saying, you know, this isn't going to happen. And then I'd get a message like uh, the sales is going to kill him. Like <laughs> I I got a lot of those. So to see Chagrin Falls win was sort of a shock, but it was um now, I have to say this because I, there were some top players missing from DeSales. That's why I, this will this one will haunt DeSales. Right. I'm sure the revenge when they play him again will be important <laughs> to him. They had three top players that weren't in. Um, but again, that like I said in, in the article, you play with the players you have. Uh, right. And and that that's what it is. I mean, what if there's if there's three players missing in the state championship? You can't say, well, they're not the championship because we had three players out. Yeah, that's what it is. You have to go um, with the result, right? So that was the result. Now, I, I was looking forward to seeing their goalie, uh, Otto Bergman, uh, who is a returning All American. Uh, he played on the German U19 national team. He's a dual citizen. Uh, he's also a hockey player, and he's six four. So when I heard of a six four hockey player, I'm like, that's that's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I would see a plodding 6-4 kid filling up a goal. Right. What I've seen before. Yeah. This was nothing of the sort. Uh, you know, he, he had the sweatpants and he had the, the high tops tucked into him. And he was as agile as anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. That big playing lacrosse as a goalie. I mean, yeah. that young. And the, he's just got it. You see it. Like, the, you see everything about him. You can't take your eyes off him. Uh, he made some huge, huge saves in the beginning. At one point, I believe it was five to two, which is for that game. Chagrin Falls was winning five to two. Yeah, was pretty big. Like yeah. that was now. 
the sales made a, a run, tied it up. It, it was it, it a, an exciting game. Um, Otto Bergman, I thought, was the difference because yeah. in the beginning, the sales could have got on top of him. He made big saves. He also, I don't think his coach will like be saying this, but um, one of the attackmen might have gotten a little too close to the crease coming around from the backside, and uh, it was like it was like a hockey goal. He he put a shot on him, a uh, little bit of cross trek, snapped the yeah. stick in two, and it was out for two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't condone that. I, I I have a feeling in these games, these guys might get a little physical with each other. It was sort of a little message sent. I have to also say we thought that was going to be the point where the sales would jump on him. And right. the goalie who came in, they couldn't be more of a polar opposite. I don't know his name. He was a shorter shorter yeah. kid. And they come in in this situation, like everyone, again, in the press box, were like, uh, just clear the ball, get rid of it. He yeah. took two, three shots on him and stopped every one of them. And yeah. it was sort of fun. But So that was my my wonder adventure week uh, starting from Kentucky. Going to Ohio and yeah, not, then back not to a Indiana. Ba- not a bad first week of the season, no, I'd say. <laughs> no, no. It's a lot of driving, but, you know, you can get stuff done when you're driving, talk talk to people and whatever. So it was fun. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. And obviously for, you know, I, I was just to let everybody know, like we won't, we, we will basically do this every week for as far as like your Midwest, like your travels. And you're also doing a, uh, what we're calling the ward report where you'll basically kind of recap this. So if you want to see the the players of the game and his kind of take on uh, each of the games, you can look for that every Tuesday, um, Tuesday evening. And then obviously we'll be doing a Midwest region notebook every Tuesday as well. So I think this was the second week for that one um, where you kind of had, we had real games to talk about. So that was, it's always nice when you have real games, it's no longer a hypothetical and a uh, little bit of an educated guessing game. You actually have real, (laughs) real results to talk about. Um, But we kind of want to do touch on some of the other areas as well. So, like, for me, uh, since I have covered, I mean, obviously, I, I originally, well, originally from North Carolina and, you know, spent 18 years in North Carolina, spent 18 years in Maryland, but I have done the Mid-Atlantic uh, Region Report for U.S. Lacrosse every year. I think I missed one year where I didn't do it, but then I went back last year and decided I just wanted to do it, and, you know, I do it for myself, like I do it for Lax Records. So, I've covered the Mid-Atlantic probably for the better part of a decade uh, reporting wise. And one of the things that I always found interesting and it, it honestly, it was one of those things like how I got the idea to do this. I really can't really tell you other than it was one of those things that, like I was interested to find out. But for the last few years, I've gone back and tracked the MIAA versus Interact conference opponents. And for those of you listening, like if you're not familiar with, uh, some of the programs, like you'd be the boys, Latin, the McDonough's Loyola Blakefield, Calvert Hall, um, you know, I'm going to miss a team, miss a team or two, cause I'm not going to mention them all, but, and the big ones out of the interact would be Haverford school and Malvern prep. Those are in Episcopal Academy. Everybody probably knows coach Bates, um, who's now coaching Episcopal Academy. Um, though, but those are like usually the big ones, but those two teams, those pr- conferences go head to head every year. And it's always usually the first start of the year. So we talk about, you talked earlier about, you know, kind of facing, that big opponent right off the bat, like these programs go head to head and they, they don't mess around uh, year in, year out. And they always go ahead uh, against each other, usually at the first game of the year. And this year was no different because Haverford school 
And I think they started the year ranked. Uh, I'm, I, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's different now anyway since the new ranking came out. I think they were 17th or 18th in the nation, and they were playing Boys Latin, who I think was ranked in the top 10, if not just outside the top 10. And it was one of those, like, Harvard School jumped out to, like, a 7 nothing lead. And it was one of those, like, that shocked a lot of people. I think we talked about it with Ty last week. Like, no one was really expecting that. Um, it, the game was a lot, ended, up, ended a lot closer, kind of a more result you would anticipate from two programs like that. But because of that, I got the chance to update my <laughs> my my record book. And, you know, the MIA folks would be happy because it's one of the, as we kind of mentioned with Ty Zanders last week as well, like Baltimore and Long Island usually go back and forth about who has the the better lacrosse. Um, and the MIA, at least in terms of the Interact versus the Interact Conference, gets gets another year of boasting. Now, I know it's still early and not all the teams have played, but they usually only play like maybe seven games total, depending on the conference. I think that's probably the max that I have in the last since 2002. But the MIA has racked up a 69 and 47 record against the Interact um, in that time. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, over 100 games have been played between these two conferences. And we're not talking about a ton of teams. I mean, the inter- the MIA might have, I think they, with John Carroll, I'm going to get the number wrong, we'll just say 10 programs in it. But it's not like all 10 play. It's like not like every team from the conference plays each other every year. It really is just mostly Haverford School, Malvern Prep. Um, Germantown Academy does play Episcopal and like those a couple of the other programs. But Interact's not as deep as the MIA either. So we're really talking about a handful of teams that play it because McDonough has won 22 of those out of the MIA with Loyola Blakefield winning 13. And then Haverford School has 31 of the conference's 47 wins. So they, they are obviously the team that is taking the lion's share out of those games. But it's just one of those stats like you kind of start to look at. I mean, we we talk about, you know, last week and Ty talked about the East Coast bias. And I mean, when you're looking at this, you can see why it's kind of it, it's easy to fall into that, like why these teams always end, start the year ranked because they're they're going to hammer each other early in the year and then like, all right, we'll figure it out, you know, after that. Like you start them high and then they figure it out and they flush themselves out over the course of the year. But that's always my one of my more favorite game matchups when I start the year. Um, I think I was looking, I think it was maybe Saturday or Sunday, Archbishop Spalding beat uh, Springfield Chestnut Hill. So they were another MIA versus Interact school. So I think the uh, Interact is one and one. Or no, actually, I'm sorry, because uh, Haverford School went one and one against McDonough. So I guess the uh, MIAA has a two and one record against the Interact so far this year, but it's still early, and obviously with Lax Power gone, it's a little bit harder to see what those teams' schedules are. So we don't really get to look ahead quite as much as we used to. But I don't know if there's anything quite as comparable in the Midwest that you're aware of, as far as something like that, where that, like really two power conferences matching up. No, no, there's not. I, I, you know, I want it to be, I want to be able to say there is, but there isn't, I, you know, people might want to say there is right, but there, but the MIAA is, is the best high school conference in lacrosse. I, you know, I'm, if, if we're going on the East coast, strictly East coast, I tend to be for long Island. I'm an, right. you know, that's where it started. So I always like to say I'm Long Island against Maryland. You're a Maryland guy. I'm a Long Island. <laughs> uh, so my, I'll always come from the Long Island part. You're always coming from Maryland. But I think as far as the depth and, I mean, really, I mean you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't say. I mean, I mean it's a narrow concept. I mean when you look at it, Long Island is a much bigger area. 
Right. I mean, when you're talking about the MIA, you're really talking Baltimore. I mean, I right. know St. Mary's is in Annapolis, which isn't obviously in Baltimore, but you're really talking Baltimore. I mean, Loyola Blakefield's in Towson. It's basically Baltimore. Like, right. You know, it's one of those, like, it's the, a lot of the, I mean, I remember driving from St. Paul's to Boys Latin to Gilman, and I think there's, I forget how many, it's like 15 miles separates the two. I mean, right, Gilman but it is could be two hours to drive. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. After being in Chicago, I'd really would take some Baltimore traffic. It's, it's nowhere near as, near as much, but it's just one of those, like, it, that's for me, it's one of those. And, and it's because the two conferences obviously have their, um, their share of talent and D one players and legendary coaches. I mean, there's a list of reasons why, but I guess for me, it's always windows like it, they don't, they don't have to play. It's, it'd be very easy for Haverford school or boys Latin or one of those other teams, like go play someone else in the early part of the year. I mean that the Haverford boys Latin game was literally both teams first game of the year. And you're talking about like, all right, this is two teams that, you know, and it's one of those like, each of those teams we know are not their goal is not to finish number one in the nation. Their goal is to win their conference championship. Right. So that game really, as we've talked, it means nothing in terms of that. Like, you know, that game, it's it's fun for fans, it's fun for fans of the conference, it's good for people who do rankings, like because you kind of get that head to head kind of thing. Um, but you know, it's one of those like I guess I just kind of respect all the teams and the coaches in that conference because I'm like they're not It'd be really easy, but like, oh, we're 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 gonna go play someone else that we know we can beat, and it may not be as much of a challenge. But those teams just go at it year in year out, and those conferences go at it year in year out. And um, for me, it's just fun. It's one of those things I look forward to every year. In fact, I know I think I um, sent some uh, tweets to Corgan Booker or Booker Corgan's way um, before when they announced that their television schedule. Which is great. Yeah, they usually had a uh, uh, interact MIA game on the on tap for like early in the season. Like they usually had one of those early, and then they took a big break, and they would have the MIA schedule. And he said they weren't doing it this year, and it was kind of like, oh man, like you know, it was one of those like I was kind of sad I didn't get to watch it. But Boys Latin was doing a play by play or a scoring update on their, I guess, some app called Haptastic, and I was I was in a pot belly sandwich waiting to go see. I was on my way to see Captain Marvel that night. And I was sitting, literally sitting on a pot belly, like refreshing the app over and over again because it was seven nothing, and then all of a sudden it was like ten to seven. You're like, uh oh, holy crap! <laughs> it's, it's like this is a comeback. I mean, it's as good as you can get when you're located in Chicago and you're trying to watch lacrosse because it's not like many of them are live broadcast to begin with, much less at a time in which you can get it. And you take what you can get when you can get it, basically. <laughs> right. I mean, um, but the MIA MIA games you can you could get online. I mean, yes, with, they do. With Booker they, Corrigan. Yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, you can't. And I think uh, Coach Bob Shriver, boys Latin legend, um, all time winning as coach, is I think he's the the color guy in that. And they're they're a hoot to to watch. Um, go at it, go back and forth as well. So it, they're they're fun games. So if you can find them, like they're they're good games to watch. And I mean, there's some teams I think uh, like Georgetown Prep, like obviously it's one of those like with a smartphone. I'm finding more and more people. Like I think I just opened Twitter one day last week, and I think Bullis was just live streaming it on Twitter, like. I'm assuming someone just probably had their phone out. I mean, you don't get any play-by-play. You get crowd noise. You don't know what the score is. So if you tune in late, you have no idea what's going on unless someone flashes to the scoreboard. But you may not even know who they're playing if you're just tuning in and not really watching. But it was just one of those, like, like I said, you take it where you can get it this time of year. You know, I'm, I, I don't have, you know, 
I, I don't get the luxury of going to as many games as you have <laughs> over the last, like I have my, my schedule set, like I'm going to St. Louis here in a couple weeks, and then uh, I am going to go to that. I am heading back east to Long Island for that Geico tournament, um, just because that, that was too good to pass up with the amount of coaches. Um, it's all, it's For me, it's always one of those things, like it's fun to see some of the coaches that I've trans, you know, uh, communicated with over the years, but never actually met because they're located in Massachusetts and Connecticut. So um, I have my schedule. Just not a, I'm jealous of you being able to get to tra- travel quite as much and go to see the amount of teams. But uh, I'm going to get to as many as I can. Like, I do have it on my schedule to see the, the South Elgin team. So I know that you were curious about them because you were hearing they were That's... possible. And uh, obviously, Cade uh, Newton, He's. I think he'll probably hit 300 points probably this week. Um, 300 career points. Because I, I think I had looked at his stats, and he's four points away now, I believe. Um, I do so many stats updates during the week. I think that I think that's his. Um, but I think they recently had another kid just commit to college. So they got a couple college-bound kids on their team. So I'm looking forward to seeing them this year as well. Um, but yeah, and uh, before I kind of leave the Mid-Atlantic, I do kind of want to give a, a big shout out to uh, Jacob. Is Jacob Angelus? He's a Johns Hopkins commit out of Paul the Six because he ended up with the as the program's all-time leading scorer. And I mean, I can't speak highly enough of Coach Bob Waters at Paul the Six because it, I forget how many years he's been there now. I think this is his sixth year. Um, I'm in the ballpark. I might not be exactly right, but I know I'm in the ballpark at how many years. And I remember talking to him when he took over the program, and his he got a uh, he he got his welcome to the world of national lacrosse pretty quick because I think he beat Georgetown Prep, which was nationally ranked. I think in his one of his first few games of his head coaching career like he had been an assistant at a public school in virginia for a number of years and then he got took the head coaching job at paul the six and no nobody saw them coming paul the six was not a a national power by any means at that point in time and he took over and i think in his first year he beat georgetown prep when coach giblin was there and that kind of stood everybody on the rear they're like wait a minute and everybody thought it was a fluke and i forget who they beat again but they beat a couple teams that year and it really kind of was like everybody's like, "Whoa, what's what's going on here?" And then they graduated some people, and they took maybe a half a step back the next year. But then they've they've been they've proven they are they are for real, and Coach Waters knows what he's doing. So I mean, for Jacob to actually get that program's all time leading scorer is, is an impressive feat. He's over three hundred career points now, so he's another kid. Uh, I mean, he's a Johns Hopkins commit. He's not an unknown. Right. People people know who he is. Like, you know, I've done art, you know, done videos and articles on him because he's one of the guys that I'm looking at for potential player of the year. Cause it's one of those with the conference he plays in and the schedule they play and his talent level just kind of warns me like, all right, you know, this is a kid that could end up, you know, with a very stellar career. Like I think about Jeffrey Connor with Strathaven last year, like he was not a guy that I had on my radar. Um, not, not, that's inaccurate. He was on my radar. I knew who he was, but I didn't have him in for player of the year contention early in the season. But he had, and obviously he's going to Virginia, so he's talented, but he had such a phenomenal senior season. Like it was, it was a blast to, I'll say watch just because I don't know. I didn't get to literally watch it, but it's one of those, you get to see how these kids season unfolds. Like every now and then you get a kid that they've had good careers and then they just have that breakout season where they just play lights out and those are the fun seasons to kind of watch when you know a kid's just like the net is you know it looks like a soccer goal to them like you know they can't they can't miss so uh I think Jacob's one of those guys like he has the potential with based on the season he had last year like and his start to the season through four games he could be one of those guys we're looking at another you know pretty big season so I've had a couple good achievements for the past week 
as yeah, well. And, so. and it's the first week. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's crazy to think, like, I'm, you know, because I do the Mid-Atlantic, and then I do kind of the National Notebook, and I was looking, you know, I I was talking with uh, one of the guys in California um, who does the uh, St. Ignatius Prep Twitter, and I've known him for, for, say known, like we know each other through Twitter um, for years, and I was commenting, like, my had initially written, because Tory Pines had rolled through three opponents from three different states last week, and Tory Pines was I think we were talking before we started the podcast. They were, I think, the only team from California to start in inside lacrosse's top twenty-five. And no, they are a power program. They I think they're coming east. I forget who they're playing, but I think they are coming east this year. And they so, but they played Loyola Los Angeles, which I think was Max Lax LA's number one team out of Los Angeles. Um, they played Philip Andover out of Massachusetts, one of the uh, prep school programs, and they played the Woodlands out of Texas, which is the defending Texas state champ, and they beat all three of them. And it was one of those, like, I had kind of written that that part up, and, I mean, they it was 13-8 over Loyola Los Angeles, 18-4 over Phillips Andover, and 6-4 six, six over the Woodlands. So, I mean, they they showed pretty well, and so you're starting to look at them like, man, this team is, they're looking good. They're beating several teams. Like, they're, I mean, Phillips Andover's a pretty legendary, I mean, their list of alumni would be pretty impressive <laughs> up against most, against most colleges. We're talking about a prep school. Um, but then it was funny cause I had already written that. And then St. Ignatius prep at a San Francisco, which is obviously North. Um, they beat Loyola Los Angeles and then they turned around and beat Torrey Pines and St. Ignatius prep is not an unknown. Like I was kind of explaining it to you a couple years ago, they beat Chaminade and that's always the game that, you know, people have pointed to as far as like, you know, oh, like they're for real. Because as we've talked in the past, like you go east, you beat a team, and then people take notice. Like that yeah. better or worse, that's just the way it is. And I was talking with a guy on uh on Twitter and he was like, Yeah, it's the unofficial California state championship. And I thought about it, I was like, that's kind of right, because for anybody who doesn't know, California doesn't have a uh, a state title. I think the state's just probably just too big, and there's too many teams for them. Like I don't think they do a state championship in any any sport, so it's not just lacrosse. They do um, what they call the uh, – it's the CIF. It's kind of like uh, – I want to think about it, section championships. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. So they don't have like a true state champion. But if you think about it, like in lacrosse, like that could have been the Loyola – are the Los Angeles area champion, probably the Orange, maybe possible Orange County champion, and then St. Nation's Prep, they play in the WCAL, so they don't really, they don't play for that that kind of championship, but I'm like, yeah, it's it's as close as you're going to get to a potential California championship game, so it's just kind of one of those, like, you start looking at results year, you know, throughout the country, and it's just, for me, it's fun, it's like, can you think, like, well, California's not in their first week of the season, but for me, when all the states start to start to get ramped up, you start to look and it starts starts to feel a little bit more real. I think it sinks in at this point in the year when you're like, all right, we have you know some of the East Coast. I mean, we're New Jersey. Well, by the time you're listening to this, New Jersey will have started. But from where we're recording on Tuesday night, New Jersey's still a day away from starting. Obviously, the entire Northeast. Well, New York has started, but you know, up north they have not uh, started yet. So I mean, we're still not even fully ramped up at this point in the season. I mean, we're talking what we're in the second week of March, almost third week of March. <laughs> it's just kind of funny to think about that. Uh, like we're still not even all in gear at this no. point. Right. I mean, Michigan starts today or, I mean, they had a few games last week, but they go full, full out now. I mean, yeah. 
So that's compared to Indiana and Illinois, it's like one week behind or later, however you want to put it that way. Yeah, and I don't know how some of the schools in uh, Indiana or Illinois do it, but I know like some of the teams are breaking for spring break. Like they've played a couple games, and now like right. you know, for the college I work at, their their spring break was last week, and then I know some high schools will be doing. I think my wife's spring break is in like another week or two, so it's like now spring breaks start to come up, which allows some teams to travel, and then other teams just don't play. Right. So it's just kind of like you get a little bit of a break, but I think by by the time most people are listening to this, we'll kind of start to give and get more states kind of geared up. And um, I guess to kind of roll out, like not an unintentional segue, but I know probably in your uh, ward report you had talked about Loyola and where they're heading this week. So I know you're not traveling with them, but why don't we kind of, for the people who are listening today, like why don't you kind of, because their schedule is pretty brutal, and anybody who's listening to this based on the East Coast would be, this would be an impressive schedule for any team to to face. So why don't you kind of fill us in on what Loyola is up to this week and uh, what's going on? Because we'll probably hear about it in next week's Midwest Report, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this week, I, I'm. It is. That's it's going for it. I mean, when you say going for it, yeah. And when we talked to Ty last week. And he just at one when I told him the six teams they were playing, his yeah. he started shaking his head. Yeah. Uh, this week they are going to Baltimore to play Bullis, who was number eight. Well, I don't know if the rankings came out. Bullis was number eight in the country. Yeah. Uh, then they're playing Georgetown Prep the next day, who was number seventeen in the country. Yeah. And then uh, the day after that they were playing Calvert Hall, who's number four in the country. Now those ranks, those rankings might have changed a little bit. Needless to say, these are not the top teams out there. These are the top teams in the country. And, it'd be, and the, it's worth noting that Bullis is the defending IAC champion. Which, um, for context, that's the same conference that Georgetown Prep and Landon in. So just trying to give people know what the teams they might have heard year in year out. And Calvert Hall is the two-time defending MIA A conference championship, and they're trying to do they're. If they win it this year, which is a huge if, and any coach in the MIA will tell you it is a near Herculean feat, but I don't think that there's another team that has done it three times in a row, and it was Loyola Blakefield, and I want to say it was in the late 80s. So you're, it's not just any three teams out of the East Coast. Right, right. They are going for it. Um, and here's, I, I, is this, a, am I giving an excuse already? Uh, maybe. They're missing three All-Americans. And that's a problem yeah. uh, because two of them are still hockey players and Loyola Academy happens to be in the state championship, which is Friday night. So I see the billboard every day on my way home. <laughs> they, can't, they can't make it. So uh, and, and as I talked to the coach, I talked to Coach Schneider about it and I said uh, and he said. It might be ugly, um, but it's going to be great for us. He said it's going to be great for us. Like he wasn't making any excuses. He's like, it's going to get it's going to get some freshmen, some sophomores, <laughs> the best experience. I mean, again, for Loyola, it's about a state championship. It's right. not about being in the national uh, conversation. For me, it's about the national conversation. For people in the Midwest, it's about maybe getting a team in the national conference. But he right. is all about making his team as sharp as possible to win the state championship. Yeah. Um. So I can't wait for that. Regardless, I want to see it. I, I want to hear about it. I will not be able to go. Um, it's a pain having kids. You know, I'm <laughs> kidding. It's a joke. Uh, 
and having a, and having a wife that has to be out of town for work. That's the reason. It's, it, so instead, I will be in Michigan to see Brother Rice, to see Forest Hills. So I'm still getting my fix. Yeah. That just would have been the 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 best one. Um, so that's I mean, and as we talked about. If they could make a if they could make a bang out there, if Loyola could make a bang, and this is what I said in the Ward report, all the Midwest teams, even New Trier, even Saint Viator, even their their biggest competitors in Illinois, should be pulling for Loyola, because if they can go out there and knock off one of those teams, knock off two of those teams. I mean, last yeah. year they went five and six on their East Coast trip, beat yeah. the number six team in the country at the time, Victor. Um, so they mean not, five five and one. Or they oh, go five? Yeah, they won five out of six. Or okay. yeah, they went yeah. five and one. Yeah, five out of six. Right. Either just, way. Just before we got a tweet saying, "Oh, you were wrong about right. that." We, right, we yeah. try to cut it off at the uh, anybody who was going to send it probably already sent it. Right. But you know, at least we. And their and, and their and their loss last year was to West Jenny. I mean, yeah. a, 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 who made a, the conference? Who made the state right. championship? A, 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 legend, a legendary team. Yeah. I mean, they're so legendary. There is a drill called West Jenny. I mean, yeah. that's if you're wondering, you hear the West Jenny drill, it's from that team. So yeah. um, so this will be a big week. And like we were saying, if Loyola is supposed to do well, can do well, shows up well, well, then they come back to the Midwest and they're going to play the teams from the Midwest and sitting there waiting for them is New Trier, their, their biggest rival. It's yeah. always New Trier Loyola for the championship the last, I don't know. Well, then New Trier is going to play Brother Rice. New Trier is going to play, um, I think they play Upper Arlington. I think they play, I know they play DCC. Uh, so it's it, it, like pollinates throughout the Midwest. So again, yeah. it's not an exact science. And any team could beat anyone else. But if you could sit there and say, hey, Loyola beat Georgetown Prep and Georgetown Prep's a top 10 team, then came back and New Trier beat them. And then New Trier went up and lost to Brother Rice. And then bro- it just gives... It shows better, I think, for the Midwest. You know. Oh where, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and I mean, I think we talked. I mean, I I, I don't have Saint Ignatius Saint Ignatius's prep schedule in front of me. Man, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, but you know, if I'm at Tory Pine School, it's like even though they beat you, and you might want to be like, oh, I want to see them go down. Like when they go back east, you want them. No, to No, like, you want to win. Go three and zero. Like beat, crush, like just pound all those opponents because then a a narrow two goal loss to us looks a lot better like you know it puts them it's like oh you know if you know Loyola Academy goes out and goes three and oh and then New Trier loses by one but like well if they beat Calvert Hall by six and New Trier only loses by one like it's just one of those like all right you know it it's like you said rising tide lifts all boats like you start to look at the other programs they're playing be like oh you know these other teams are you know you just you kind of I mean at at this point in time like that's really what it is like if you want to get national recognition in terms of you know if ranking if that's your thing honestly most coaches right. i talk to they don't care like they're they, it's state championship it's improving their players like they're not worried they're like as uh i think years and years ago coach no told me he was like that's for you guys to talk about he's like that's not something he's like our, we we never discussed that he was like that is not part of our pre-game post-game or any game speech that we ever give the kids ever it's like they don't care. It's not not the thing. So it's you know it's fun for people like us to talk about and for fans, and that's really the point of rankings in general is just to kind of kind of lend some um, context to the conversation. So when you see teams that are heading east and 
playing teams like and then they come back home and play others like that's really kind of where you start to kind of get that context of what's going on nationally and be like oh you know they went out and beat this program i mean it's it is, it is one of those things like when loyal academy beat victor i mean a lot of people took notice like oh wait like and i mean victor won state championship and i mean they they are not without their talented players so it's like wasn't just one of those like you, you didn't go out and just beat a team. Like I remember, I think it was Mercer Island out of Washington beat Duxbury out of Massachusetts a few years ago. And that was one of those, you're like, Whoa, what's, what's going on there? Like, it's just, <laughs> like you just start to like, you can't help but take notice when, when some of those teams win. And it's like, they, they put you on your radar and they may not get a ranking right then and there, but you start to recognize those, those names and those programs year after year. And I mean, I think everybody kind of, you, when you start to notice them, they just become part of the conversation. I mean, be honest, boys Latin didn't start off with boys Latin. Like they all started with, you know, they, they, they earned that over right. decades. Like it wasn't just one of those things. Like you don't, you don't just get that kind of uh mystique surrounding you just because you show up one day. Like that stuff is earned and it's earned through you know blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of hard work. So, I mean, it's I, I applaud, you know, Loyal Academy for, for going east. It's kind of a shame that, you know, those hockey finals are right in, that, in the midst of that trip, but I think they're probably on their spring break, which probably makes it easier for them to go, which probably makes it also easier for them to play a hockey state championship on a Friday night. So. Right. Well, they'll also be out in Long Island, too. They, yeah. There's there's the other half of their, their three games that they're playing, um, St. Anthony's, Chaminade, and Garden City. So all top 10 ranked teams in the country. Yeah. They should be full handed then. So you you never know. But I will say this about for teams that aren't out East, the Midwest teams, the teams from the South, the teams from the West, beating those teams where it doesn't matter, you know, being in the, in a national talk, right? What it does do is it gets more college coaches looking. Yeah, it's very easy to recruit when you only have to go into Baltimore to Long Island and sit there and say, I can get all of my players yeah. right from here. You know, there's three major college. What you, you got Johns Hopkins, Maryland, Loyola. Well, they yeah. can come out their back door Towson. and go uh, Towson <laughs> and go watch and, and, and take a drive and go see some of the best players in the country. Yeah. So they don't have there's no impetus for them to, to leave to go look. Well, if you start coming out there and start beating their teams, they're going to have to start moving yeah. and start coming out there. And if they come out to see, if if Loyola beats one of those teams, they say, oh my gosh, we go check them out. And they go, well, let's go out there and check them out on their own thing. And they're playing Nutrier. All of a sudden, although Nutrier, again, Nutrier gets a lot of uh, uh, D1 kids, brother rice, lots of D. I mean, right, but, right, right. but you know what? It, 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 it brings more eyes, which will lift everybody. Um, and then it spreads, and that's when you can spread out. Now, I've said this before, too. I think there is more D1 talent than there are D1 teams at this point. Um, I don't even know if people know the depth of lacrosse in California, in Texas, in Florida. Yeah. Um, and so when everyone's like, oh, he's a D1 player, he's a D1 player. Yeah, he's a D1 player, but he might go play at Wesleyan, you know? Right, because that's an awesome team and an awesome school. Right. So I know I just to go on that that high horse again. Just because you're not playing D one, if you're playing D two or D three, 
there's guys who are playing in the M, uh, the MCLA who are D1 players. Right. You know, they and... just it, – it's so – when you can get those big games and get the notoriety, that's where it's important to us in the Midwest, in the South, in the West. Yeah. And uh, just to kind of, kind of, I guess maybe put a period on on that thought is I remember years ago I was standing on the sideline. It was a tournament event, and I was talking to a coach, a college coach, and we were talking. I was like asking kind of about recruiting. I was like, oh, so what what are you looking for when you come to an event like this? Like, are you guys you have your list of players that you're looking for? Is like, are you know, are you are you looking for that? Um, needle in a haystack that, you know, little, uh, rough diamond in that you're, or is like, what are you looking for? And so we just kind of got to chatting about that. And then I forget the question I asked him. He's like, listen, he's like, I'll be perfectly honest. He was like, even if I see a kid out here that I really like, he was like, it is, the kid has to be very special for us to truly recruit him. Now this wasn't a top D one program, but he was like, we will, he's like, our philosophy is like we will take the third line midfielder from a Haverford school or a boys Latin before we take a first line from a program that we don't know as well because we know the level of competition that Haverford school and it was Haverford school that he mentioned like not to say that they were taking a third line but that was the example he's like we know the competition at Haverford school we know the coach we know the offense like we know enough about that program to know that we are getting a kid that he is polished He's well coached and he knows what he's doing. He was like, so we don't have to, he's like, it was just that level. He's like, we don't know. Some of these other areas are just unknown. Like they're just not as familiar with them. So I think it even follows like, you know, to your point, like college coaches, like you, it helps them kind of see like, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned uh, one of the earlier podcasts, like if you play well against Culver Academy, even if your team gets blown out 26 to nothing, like that should just be your highlight tape. Because coaches coaches want to know that like this is what he did against Culver, right? And considering Culver is basically a Division One program <laughs> with the amount of kids that are playing, like they're a Division One. Like if they see what you're doing against that level of competition, like that's what I mean. The Lola Academy kids, like this East Coast trip, that should just be their highlight reel. Like no matter what happens, if you play well, just they, just this is six games you're going to use. That'll that'll be our highlight. Like because those are known programs that college coaches would then look at him like, oh, he did it against Boys Latin, Bull- or Bullis, Georgetown Prep, and Calvert Hall. Right. The coaches know them. They know the quality of of players that those programs have. So when you see they're playing against, like, I've had it in all sports. Like, I've had it in basketball and uh, football when I've covered there. Like, you know, yeah, you can run for 200 yards against, uh, you know, a no-name program. Doesn't, you know, okay, great wonderful for you he was like but for the recruiting aspect they're like we 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 would rather see a uh hard 30 yard game where to see what you're made of rather than a 200 yard game where it's just like oh you put in quarter effort right so there's a lot to it i mean if you're even if the the name of the game is not to get ranked like if you want to get kids noticed if you're a kid and you want to play in college if you have aspirations like this is your chance. Like right. these types of games, this is your chance against programs because those college coaches, there's just not enough college co- college teams. And we've talked before, the budget is, I mean, it's not football. Like right. they, these programs aren't getting thousands and thousands of dollars to travel the country to. No one's you know, giving them a private jet to yeah. fly somewhere. Like, <laughs> like, like, Al, like Nick Saban is going to be, he's on a private jet. 
<laughs> funny. Know. I have a football related story, but I remember watching Dematha and Good Counsel their football program and uh, play at Good Counsel at Oney Maryland. It is fifty minutes from University of Maryland at College Park. Um, TV was on ESPN. We were there. I was working for ESPN at the time. We were watching the game was on TV. Game was sold out. I think it was halftime. Helicopter flies in and lands. It's kind of a little bit further. I didn't even know there was a place for the program to land. Ralph Friedgen gets off the plane to watch the second half of the Dematha Good Council game because basically, like a lot of Dematha players would go on to the University of Maryland, and we're sitting there like, Ralph, you could have watched this game. Like, you could have driven. He's landing right. in a helicopter. <laughs> it was just right. one of those things. Like you just kind of realize, like, all right, when you're playing Division One football, like it's an it, it's it's a different thing. Like, it, it's a whole there, different world. There's no lacrosse coaches landing right. in a helicopter <laughs> anywhere in the country None. to go on to go watch the second half of a game. They might have to expense kids. the rental car. I mean, yeah. that's that's the here they they have to pay for it and get get the money back. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, so so it's, it's, right, it's, it's a different it's a different world in terms of that. So yeah, this is this is a lot of kids' chance to, you know, make their highlight reel for the year, win or lose, uh, no matter what. So, um, but I think that's a good enough good enough place to end because like obviously we're talking about games that, I guess as you are listening to this listener will have already happened, but we are doing a little. Uh, preview from our our perspective but michael you will have uh recaps i'm sure we'll have something on that because there's just too good not to oh, yeah. in uh, the midwest re- region report which will come out on tuesday of this week it will come out every tuesday and then the ward report i guess we'll assume we'll have your some of your more travels and players of the game so you can look for that on laxrecords.com as well but michael where can they find you in the interim online if they want to follow your take as you travel the globe um, uh, I'm on Twitter at MFWCHI. Uh, you can email me at mward at laxrecords.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and Michael Ward, you know, I never thought about that, but I have a lot of people who've mentioned stuff on LinkedIn. So look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm always willing to talk, always willing to, you know, respond. So, you know, reach out. Yeah. And then you can find me at lax records on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, obviously laxrecords.com. We are creeping ever so close to 100 subscribers on YouTube. I think when I checked earlier today, we're at 69. Um, so once we get to 100, we can actually have the, I believe, YouTube.com slash Lax Records. So we are creeping ever so close. And that I published, obviously, if you're watching this video, it's a little bit redundant. But the a video version of the podcast releases in conjunction with the audio on Sundays as well. And then I do a weekly highlight show. Um, which I actually thought of a name for. I'm going to call it This Week in Lacrosse because it seemed as fitting as anything else and it describes what you're getting. So that comes out every Monday. Um, And then I'm kind of toying around with the Thursday stuff that I was doing. I was doing a throwback Thursday, but I have an idea of maybe kind of trying to do a something live um, each each Friday, just kind of look at because so much happens during the week that I'm literally making notes and it just feels too good to keep to myself at some point. So um, if that's something you would like to see, I would definitely like to hear. Um, or if you have another idea of stuff you guys want to see. So uh, if you guys have ideas for topics or have anything that you want Michael and I to discuss, you can reach out to us on Twitter, email, however you best want to get in touch with us. So, uh, But until then, everybody, 